It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat reporter for the Mercury News. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. I'm joined today by Kendall Baker, the writer and curator of the Axios Sports Newsletter, which is a tremendous resource for sports fans. Brought to you by Axios, which, full disclosure, has a promotional agreement with the Locked On Podcast Network. But Kendall, who lived and worked out of San Francisco until just recently, uh, joined the show to talk about Chase Center's place in San Francisco, the future of the NBA, and the future of sports media. Honestly, not a ton of Warriors talk here, but I found the conversation very interesting, and I think you will too, because we talk about things that will affect how you, as a sports media consumer, as a modern sports media consumer, obviously given that you are listening to a daily podcast, will consume content in the near future. So give it a listen, subscribe to Locked On Warriors and the Axios Sports Newsletter, and please enjoy. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm here with Kendall Baker of Axios and the Axios Sports Newsletter. Kendall, uh, you lived in San Francisco for a while. I know you recently moved from the city, but what did you think of San Fran as a sports city? Uh, first of all, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I think, well, you know, that my time in San Francisco was pretty well-timed, I must say, at least uh, in terms of the Warriors. Specifically, I was there the last five years. I moved in June. I moved there in June of 2015, so I think there was a parade, like, right when I got there. Um, so in terms of the Warriors, obviously, that was what stood out. Uh, the Giants had some good seasons in there as well. I definitely felt, you know, for, I'm, I'm from New Jersey, right outside of New York, um, you know, there's, there's a certain element to this in New York as well, but I, I definitely felt like there was a large element of San Francisco that was you know, a lot of transports. Right. And I think that bleeds mm-hmm. into sports fandom. That might just be naturally who I was spending time with because I myself was a transplant. I did, I did feel like, you know, I definitely met a fair share of San Francisco natives, Giants fans their whole life, Warriors fans their whole life, what have you. But there, there were a lot of people who I felt weren't really let's say diehard basketball fans who were suddenly loving the Warriors. And I definitely felt like the Warriors were a perfect team for somebody who didn't really follow much NBA to, to really get behind because it's very easy to cheer for somebody just heaving up threes and them going in. It always struck me more of a, as a baseball town. And I'm from, I'm from Miami, which is the opposite of a baseball town. It is football, crazy uh, college football, pro football. So it was kind of cool for me to move to San Francisco and be part of a baseball town. I feel like that always has like a romance to it as far as baseball cities go or, or sports cities go. I, I can, I totally agree with that. And I actually have a theory behind that. Cause I've thought the same thing about other cities as well. And it's 
there, the, people underestimate the power of particularly a baseball studio because there's because the volume of games. If the ballpark is like centrally located or right near kind of mm. downtown or right near offices, because the energy I, I for a, about a year worked like se- uh, second and Bryant, so right by the ballpark and just right. the energy that's created around a ball around a, a baseball stadium. If there's offices right there, if there's bars, if there's restaurants, that kind of vibe three days a week, you know, whatever, whatever you have, what, whatever the, the series is in the middle of the summer is so awesome. And, and, and that just doesn't happen for the NFL, right? Once a week, NBA, it's just different. So I think that's a huge part of the city having that ballpark. That's very, centrally located people walking by it all the time people working right across the street from it i think that does a lot for a city i think that's basically the intent behind chase center with the warriors right as you you go from oakland where it was you know in the middle of this park basically with with nothing around it and then you put it in the middle of san francisco um and you know the plan is to develop the land around it and you're gonna have the bars and the restaurants and all that stuff did you get a chance to watch a game at chase center yeah i went to a few games actually uh the last sporting event that had fans that I went to was a <laughs> uh, Warriors jazz game. I think the Warriors lost by like 38 points. Oh, uh, I remember that. Yep. It was not, not the best game. Um, it was, uh, but, but yeah, that was the last game I went to. I think I went to like three or four games at Chase Center. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, that's definitely the thinking there. I had been following the the building of that stadium, the business of that stadium, uh, if you will, for, for a while, and I, I definitely th- thought it came together really nicely. Like my first my first time there, I just remember being really blown away. I I, I got dropped off Uber like far side of the stadium, kind of walked around the stadium, so the circular kind of ramp. And I get up and then you see, you know, that Uber building, you see the 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 gift shop or, or whatever that is. And it's just it's just a totally different kind of vibe walking into an arena where it feels like it's kind of snugly built into its surroundings and not just kind of plopped down on a corner. Very different from Oracle. Um, but I think that's the way to do it, right? Like you don't want to just try to remake Oracle and throw that into San Francisco. I think it is it is very San Francisco. I think the location's great. Uh, especially when they start building, I guess there's a dumpling time that there's there they just opened up, so that's good news in case we ever are able to eat again in restaurants. But uh, um, I wanted to ask, uh, as far as the NBA goes, I know you obviously follow this stuff uh, very closely. It's it's all you know you write about it extensively in the new the Axios Sports newsletter. But um, what are your main questions when we look at you know playing the NBA season again? I know we're in the middle of this bubble now. But to me, the big question is, how do you resume a regular season with all 30 teams, with travel and all those things? What are the questions that you have when you're and you're asking uh, when you're looking at how the NBA can play next season? Well, I think you know, the, the list is long. Um, I'll say a couple things. One is I, I think we're and, and, you know, there's no point in, in worrying about it now or we're concerning ourselves with it now. I'm sure the league offices, but I think we're underestimating how difficult it's going to be to basically have no off season. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be some off season, but I, I, I don't know. I can't foresee exactly what the challenges are going to be. I just feel like there's that we're, we're that's not being talked about enough. And it's just kind of assumed. Yeah, we'll just start it back up. Um, so I think that's one Two, definitely the travel, as you pointed out, I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe see some type of, 
uh, scheduling quirk, whether it's, um, I think I saw actually recently, this is kind of an aside, but it's related to your question. Uh, I think it was Baxter Holmes, ESPN had a piece about GMs talk, basically saying how much fresher their players are without this travel and how everybody's feeling much better and how in the past sleep has been a concern for players. Now all of a sudden the bubble, they're not, they're not traveling and you're seeing the quality of play go up. And basically one GM, or I think maybe, maybe it was multiple GMs threw out the idea of, you know, this, 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 this less travel thing is great. What if we played two, basically two game series in, in certain cities? So mm. the warrior, the warriors, you know, go to Portland and instead of playing a game and then flying to, uh, you know, Houston, they, they play two games in Portland back to back nights or, right. or, or Tuesday, Thursday or, or whatever it is, you know, that, that, that seems a little may, maybe extreme to kind of just experiment with that. Cause that's definitely a shift, but you know, just given the, the context, I wouldn't be surprised if something along those lines is, is tried, uh, even if it's just a temporary measure. So, yeah, I think, you know, the again, the list is very long, but those would be two off, on the top of my head, just a quick restart and then the how do we how do you manage travel uh, over the course of that long of a season? And now we're seeing reports that they could delay the start. We've already seen the draft get delayed one month, right, to, yep. to mid-November, and maybe, you know, that'll have the obvious domino effect, but we've now seen reports that this thing might not start until February, maybe even early March, and that that seems like a really long time, like at, at first glance. But then you think about, okay, well, if they if Adam Silver is um, going to be steadfast and his his wanting fans in these arenas for the games, then that's probably what it looks like, right? Because if we get a vaccine, and you then you have to. It's not just the vaccine that lands. Then you have to roll it out, and and people have to take the vaccine if they're going to be in these arenas uh, at a certain capacity. So it could be up to two to three months after the start of the year. Um, until we get fans and arenas. So I do wonder if maybe, uh, you know, they have to sacrifice maybe a quarter of the season playing in front of no fans or something like that. And maybe it is something like what you're, what, what, what you mentioned about in that Baxter home story, as far as, you know, do instead of playing Portland, going to Portland twice in a year, you go once and you just get the two games out of the way right away. Could be interesting. But Kendall, let's take a quick break and talk about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it can be impossible to stock all the parts you need for your car, especially now, well, you might not be able to visit a traditional store, so do it easily online instead at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything you need, from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low without the markup that you find at chain stores or you're going to get from pushy salespeople. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Then write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive-thru for your own steamy carton of crispy, golden 
goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The the NBA has been out, um, obviously, on the forefront of the recent social movement, and they've made it such a priority. It's something, obviously, that you've been writing about. I've been writing about it. Um, you know, we have to write about it. And I just, from, you know, journalist to journalist, I I, I wonder what, have you gotten a response in your coverage? And it was, it, has it been negative, uh, positive? What, what's been your experience with that? Yeah. You know, I think, um, definitely a little bit of both. I'd say, uh, if I had to, if I had to lean one way, I think I've gotten, you know, I, I based my feedback on, you know, replies to my newsletter, right. Or I don't really, especially with this type of coverage pertaining, you know, shares or, or whatever other metrics you do is like, all right, what are people liking? What are people not liking? In terms of the feedback, I get just simply replies to my newsletter. It's more positive than negative, but there's certainly a little, little bit of both. And I understand both sides to a certain extent. I, I, you know, I definitely do understand the, I want this, I, you know, sports has been my escape my whole life. Give me that. Well, I think, you know, again, I understand that. I think it's a little bit, my, my response each time is this is just different. This is a different moment. Like you have to, you know, this isn't about you. Um, that that's that's kind of the general response you get. This is not about you. I'm sorry. Um, so, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, little, little little bit of both, and it's definitely you know, especially for me, where I don't write kind of this one-off article, right? That maybe you come across on social media or or record a podcast, or you know, I, I write this this daily newsletter that comes out like at the same time every day. So it's more of kind of a morning newspaper for someone or a routine. Or a routine. And so when something becomes a theme, that you know, I I follow that theme. And so if if something is kind of dominating the coverage, you know, I try and mix it up. But if something's dominating the coverage, my newsletter is going to be that you know over and over. And so mm-hmm. it's definitely been a theme, of course, of the last few weeks. And and um, you know, it's, it's been interesting to cover and it's definitely, I, I personally feel it's probably the most, I mean, I started reading this newsletter a few years ago and there's so much stuff that's already happened. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. first newsletter I wrote was a month after Colin Kaepernick kneeled. So basically the entire time I've been writing this newsletter, this has been a huge storyline and I feel like it's important to give, give it its uh, due every time. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I just as our jobs covering leagues, if this is what's happening, then it just doesn't make sense to say to talk about whether or not, you know, the Lakers should bench Rajon Rondo or not. You know, it's sometimes it's just, hey, this is what's happening because LeBron is saying this and this is what's at the forefront. And, you know, this was my first year covering the Warriors for a newspaper and immediately out the gate, it was the Chinese fiasco, right? With the Daryl Morey tweet. And then, you know, then you've got, Trump calling out Steve Kerr and then you've got all that stuff and then you've got Kobe Bryant and then you've got, um, you know, all these other things. And it just feels like sometimes there's just not there's not there's no time for real, you know, uh, sports like escapism version of sports. Sometimes it just it all kind of coalesces into one big thing. And that kind of takes me to where I want to go with this interview. Over the last few years, we've seen like kind of big changes in sports media. And uh, those changes have only been accelerated, I think, because of this pandemic. And uh, some of it's been good in terms of increasing diversification in newsrooms. But we're also seeing, you know, the closing of newsrooms, furloughs, layoffs, things like that. Sports betting has a bigger platform now. You wrote about that this week in your newsletter. Where do you see the future of sports media and sports journalism going? I I understand it's a loaded question, so you can kind of take this wherever you want to go. Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And um 
I think there's there's you know plenty of answers to where sports media going to go. That would be an answer to just where's media in general going to go. I also think there's some answers that are specific to sports media. So I guess I'll say just large you know sports media in general. Where's that going to go? Where's 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 content creation going? Where's where where's user behavior going? I have always thought that the most under underrated thing in media is is carving out whether it's a, a time or a niche or basically carving out like a use case in your readers or your watchers or your listeners life and i feel like we're starting to i think that's one reason behind the the rise of newsletters for example is there's just so much information out there and it's so easy to find that that you know on one hand that's great but i think over time people have become inundated and overwhelmed by that information and you know it 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 leads to a situation where a whole lot of people are up to date on everything that's happening but they don't know below like they don't know more than the surface level of those of those things so like to put it another mm-hmm. way People, you know, you get push notifications all day. You're logging on to Twitter. You're scrolling aimlessly. And maybe over that course of 30 seconds of scrolling, one thing sticks in your mind. And that's what you remember. Like, we're just consuming so much information kind of aimlessly throughout the day that you know 10 piece, 100 pieces of information, let's say. But I think most people, if you were to ask them, would rather know everything or close to everything about 10 pieces of information. And so I think mm-hmm. that's I, – I've always thought that's where we're going to be – that's where we're going to – to go, I think it, it's going to take a lot of uh, companies and, and outlets thinking that same way and executing, of course. But I do think that we're, we're, we're kind of starting to see that again with the rise of newsletters is that we've for, for years now been in this world, particularly with sports media, which it's just noise, a lot of noise. Um, there, there's plenty of opportunity, right? It's never been easier to launch a podcast, to launch a newsletter, to launch a blog, whatever you want to do. But everybody's doing it because it's easy. And so there is so much noise. I do think we're going to start to see more um, products with specific kind of goals. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully we do see that. I think talking about sports media specifically, again, uh, another prediction, I guess I have, and I think we've even just in the last 10 years kind of seen this, but you know, ESPN, Fox, the, the, those, you know, the TV networks where you are tuning in to watch football games on Sunday or basketball games on Tuesday, TNT. Um, Those networks have long been uh, homes for that, right? They've been homes for live games and and they Mm -hmm. spend a ton of money on that and they make a ton of money on that. And then they also have studio shows and and basically filling the time around those games. I I think we're just going to keep seeing those, those networks lean more and more into live sports and the quote unquote analysis or talking heads or, you know, studio shows which in general i think are starting to fade away to a certain extent that stuff will shift more and more into the you know one person podcasts uh mm. you know blogs uh th- basically the, the the digital media side of things that, ha- that that is not paying millions of dollars to put nba games on their platform so i think we're just going to continue to see like when you think espn there's, there's always going to be their, you know, sports center, their flagship program. But if you think ESPN, it's that's where I go to watch sports. And then when I want to hear somebody's take on that sports, you know, right now, maybe I still go to ESPN, maybe 10 years from now, that, that's not even kind of part of the equation. You're going to right. for your takes to your Twitter followers or that person who writes that newsletter. If we're still reading newsletter in 10 years, who knows? But I do think we're going to continue to see, to see that shift just because the money that's involved and 
um, the way that people like to consume their content and really customize their own um, intake or feed. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Lenovo. At CDW, we get putting productivity within reach of remote employees. That's why I'm WFC, working from couch and moving everything within arm's length, like the microwave. Lunchtime. You should talk to the experts at CDW. They can orchestrate a more efficient workspace solution using light, powerful devices from Lenovo to keep your teams productive from anywhere, couch included. Yeah, but do they have grabber claws? Whoops. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Learn more at cdw.com slash Lenovo client. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. I mean, just speaking anecdotally, but that's basically where I've been going. I, I haven't watched an NFL pregame show in years. I just, first of all, they're not good. And second of all, um, you know, it's so much better to just listen to a podcast where, you know, there's people whose opinions I respect and they do that deep dive. They go, you know, beneath the surface like you were talking about. I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, the Lockdown Podcast Network, not to, you know, promote this whole thing uh, like a shill, but I think it's one of the reasons we've been able to carve out our own niche as a network is, hey, if you want Warriors content, if you want NBA content, if you want what, you know, Miami Dolphins content, there's a show for all of that. It's 20 minutes long and you're going to you're going to get more than what is on, you know, that that two minute, you know, uh, segment on PTI about the Miami Dolphins and Tua. You're going to get 20 minutes on it and you're going to be able to go to go deeper and it is specific and you can listen to these daily like these micro pods these daily podcasts sports media otherwise you know you think about the new york times daily and all these things too there those are that's the the kind of part of podcasting that seems to be growing the most Mm -hmm. and it's probably because instead of listening to one one hour podcast you can listen to four or five you know 15 to 20 minute podcasts in that same amount of time so yeah um, i mean you bring up an interesting point there too that's kind of separate but and this is we'll, we'll we'll uh alternate plugging our own companies uh another thing that i think is underrated and that axios obviously understands it's basically what we are but i think people underestimate the the importance of and and how much people are yearning for brevity uh Mm. it it is much harder to write and i can attest to this as i do it every day it's 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 so much harder to write a 300 word article that's really good and it doesn't have any information that is not essential to the story it's much harder to write that than to write 500 words people sometimes think the opposite it's much harder to keep something short whether it's audio whatever it is but it's such a better user experience nobody is like wanting to read more or watch more they 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 just want you to get to the point um and i think you're starting to see that like you, you know so many sports podcasts particularly in the early days of podcasting, we're just an hour and a half, right? Like, I feel like that mm-hmm. was the default time. Now we're seeing some more differentiated content, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 15 minutes. Let's, maybe even we'll see some 10-minute podcasts. We have a daily podcast of 10 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the pitch. Um, so so that's, that's part of it. I also think, just going back real quick to what you are saying, or what I was saying before, um, and you mentioned kind of the diversified content at, versus very general kind of let's reach as many people as possible versus let's create more niche content. Like I spoke with Mike Greenberg a couple of weeks ago and he kind of put it perfectly. Like 
ESPN Plus as an example, and just kind of where we are with streaming as a way of consuming content and and kind of choosing what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Like he, Greenberg was basically just like, look, I've been doing TV for 20 years. Most of the decision, like I'm in charge of most editorial decisions I make on my shows. My task is to talk about things that are going to appeal to the largest number of people. I mean, that's TV, mm -hmm. that's radio. Now he's saying, now he's doing this betting show and he's like, now all of a sudden I got this platform where, you know, you don't have to worry about that. You, but, but you, and it, instead you can worry about really, really hitting home with a smaller, a smaller demographic, really, mm. you know, he's a you know, sports betting show, really making the show for sports betters. That's not the largest possible number of people. It's much smaller, but it might, you know, hit a, a, a passion point with them even stronger than some generalized content would. So I think that's, you know, you're going to keep seeing that. Um, and that's why you're content. seeing, I guess, advertising flocking to some of these specialists too, because it does resonate with people a little bit more. Right. And so these live reads and things like that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, no, I want to just one more point on that. I mean, you mentioned the, the, the writing and how it's so much harder to write, you know, 300 words that are succinct and to the point and well-written versus, you know, 500 words. And I, I run into this all the time too, where I come across a piece that's 3000 words long. And I just often, I end up skimming most of it. Cause I'm just like, why, why is this 3000 words? And I think a lot of people conflate that. You know, it being 3000 words with, oh, my gosh, what a wonderful piece of writing. But I think a more discerning person might say, well, you know, there's 3000 words here, but I didn't really need 2100 of them. Mm -hmm. You could have kept this at 900 words. And so for a newspaper writer like myself, that's something that we're trained to do. Right. And, mm -hmm. typically, and classically speaking. But um, I, I do wonder, like you're I could tell reading your newsletter, like you are a consumer of this content. So I'm just talking with you now. I wonder how you go about consuming because it seems like a, a really big part of your job is doing that, is reading everything, listening to everything that you possibly can. How do you how do you just go about that? Uh, how do you what's what's your routine like as far as how you how you consume all this content? Yeah. So this is this is I, I, I love talking about this because I think my my secret weapon, having been doing this newsletter for a while and started on my own, Axios acquired it. I've, I've been writing this newsletter for basically three years every day. And my I think my secret weapon is is the quote unquote system I've developed. And so basically, I have an RSS feed. Do you know what an RSS feed is? Mm -hmm. Yep. So I have an RSS feed. I use an app called Reader um, and another app called Feedbin, kind of combine those two's powers. But basically, I have a feed think of it for people who don't use RSS as an, Im an email inbox, let's put it that way. And in that feed, I have not just like ESPN.com or uh, The Athletic or, um, you know, 538, like all these, all these uh, websites with that are creating content. I don't just have like their ESPN feed coming in. I have ESPN soccer feed coming in. I have ESPN NHL feed. I have everything kind of broken up and like in my feed I see ESPN betting, ESPN and 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 then I have an all items feed where everything comes in linearly. So I quite literally have an inbox that is here's everything that's being published on the internet today about sports. <laughs> I also have subreddits in there. I have Twitter accounts in there. I have newsletters in there. So I li I literally have an inbox picture an inbox and Throughout the at all times of the day, I am getting emails saying this was just published, this was just tweeted, this email just came in. So I can literally go item by item down to see everything that was published in one day. And because of that, I, 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 it's actually possible for me to not miss anything. And so that's really mm. what I hang my hat on. Every day, I don't miss anything. 
And as a reader of my newsletter, you, 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 you know that, or you come to know that or trust that. And I think that gives you a lot of comfort as a reader. If something's important, it's going to be in here because he saw it. And so that really is my process. I have a, you know, I obviously, you know, jump on Twitter throughout the day and, and do other things and listen to podcasts and, and, you know, watch sports center every night. Uh, especially now that I'm doing top plays that helps. Uh, but, but, my real secret weapon is this RSS feed that basically lets me quote unquote read the internet. How many hours a day do you think, <laughs> estimate that you read the internet? Well, it's, it, I've been asked this question before. I, I wish I had, a, I would, I should just, I should time myself. I should record myself yeah. one day and then go back and take notes and <laughs> say how long, but I, you know, it's such a kind of, you know, uh, fluid situation each day with reading, uh, compiling that stuff. Uh, throwing, we, I use a tool called Notion to to as my kind of editorial calendar, and I have somebody who helps me with the newsletter, so it's we're able to collaborate on that. But basically, you know, imagine a a, a calendar with little modules that you can move between each day. Right, we're publishing this Tuesday, Wednesday, so we have this whole kind of system. Sometimes I'm I'll just spend an hour reading, two hours reading stuff. Sometimes I'll read something immediately, write a story about that. I if I if I had to guess in terms of just strictly reading, probably three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe longer in terms of working on the newsletter. It's like a all day, all day thing, but it's, it's sports. So it never really feels like work. Um, I could tell you that I am an avid reader of the newsletter. I read it and look forward to it every morning. It's part of my, my morning routine. Um, it has replaced basically going to the ESPN headlines. It's because it, for exactly the reasons we were already talking about, um, the Axios today podcast, you plugged it earlier. I will plug it again. Talking about needing brevity. I feel like the ultimate spoiled millennial, like the New York daily, the New York times daily was too long for me at 22 minutes an episode. And so I went to the Axios today cause it's 10 minutes and I, and I'm like, that's way better. So I listen to that daily. Um, and so I, I recommend that uh, the listeners check those out. If that sounds like something you're interested in um, Kendall, can you, can you tell those listeners maybe something that you've got coming up in the newsletter that you want to plug and then obviously where they can subscribe to it. Sure. So first of all, subscribing very sports.axios.com and you just enter your email and you'll start getting the newsletter the next day. Um, in terms of stuff coming up this week, I have an interview. I interviewed a drafting CEO, um, mm-hmm. which I'm, is definitely a fun conversation. There's a lot to talk about there with sports betting. Sports betting is one of my favorite um, things to cover right now, just because it's such a, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, yeah, the, I, this is a cliche. It's the Wild West, like, uh, and it's such a state by state thing because legislation state by state. So it's just these companies staking claim, staking claims to this state, staking claims to this state. It's a lot of, I think, even people who don't understand sports betting are interested in it, and that creates an opportunity to just explain a lot of things really well to people to help them understand because they are interested in it. Um, so we have that interview coming up. I'm pumped about. We have something coming up on Friday about basically the rise of college football kickers mm. um, that I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but it's something like, like in 2000 college football kickers made like 68% of kicks or something. Maybe it was like 64%. And last year they made 76%. So you've seen this like pretty substantial rise in field goal kicker accuracy. And so we're just diving deep into why is that? And it's just, you know, goes 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 into you know individual training um what what you'd expect you know with with people taking the the profession of kicking if you will more seriously at a younger age so that'll be that'll be interesting on friday we'll we'll look into that ahead of the 
college football season, which still doesn't feel real. And I think the <laughs> I, we're recording this on uh, what what time is it right now? It's, it's Tuesday what? at one thirty. Yeah, Tuesday at one thirty. I think um, I'll, I'll make my prediction here. The Big Ten announces at least some schools return uh, to play football tonight. Who's your Who's your college team? Are, so are you I, Rutgers? No, <laughs> no. Uh, fortunately, I'm not. Um, yeah. I I've been blessed. I've been blessed with a legitimate reason to be an Alabama football fan. My my whole mom's side of the family is from Tuscaloosa. My great grandfather mm-hmm. actually coached football there. All my grandparents went there. So we're like my, we're like an Alabama football family. So that's definitely been fun. And then uh, my mom went to Michigan. That's also great. And then my dad went to West Virginia. So I've, I my family wow. blessed me with good good football. I went. I unfortunately went to UPenn Ivy League football. Good. Penn's definitely a good Ivy League team, but it's you know not not your typical team to root for your your FBS football program. So those are my kind of three schools, and of those, I'd say I follow Alabama the closest. Yeah, I mean, I would too if you're winning all those championships. I went to UCF though, and I still think we would have beaten Alabama in 2017. <laughs> well, so, uh, <laughs> um, Kendall, thanks so much for joining the show. I really appreciate the time here. Yep. Thank you. Thanks again to Kendall Baker for joining the show. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and say nice things about the show. Thanks to Rock Auto for sponsoring today's show. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Thanks for listening and stay safe. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.